basically, you know, develop good products, which I believe a lot of manufacturers are doing now. Uh, but it doesn't just happen. There's a lot of mechanics go behind the scenes that, uh, that you may not be familiar with. Today on Skew Food Talks, we're very fortunate to have Paul Armstrong from Amicus Sales and Marketing joining us. We've had a, an opportunity to talk to Paul on our previous podcast about uh, brokers and, and where they fit into the value chain. So we've invited Paul back and uh, we'd like to talk to him about where he sees the future of the food industry going. And one of the things which uh, we really work on here at Skew Food is to try and help our members and people in the community understand where things are going. And uh, Paul has a wealth of knowledge about the industry. So we've invited him to, to share some insights on where things are going. So we'd like to welcome Paul and uh, dive right into our conversation. So at Skew Food, we try to help people in our community understand what's happening today in the industry, why it's happening. But we also like to use that information that we have and that the people who, who we're fortunate enough to have as guests like Paul today um, to look at where the industry is going and, and what's going to happen in the future. So I just want to take a, a couple of minutes and ask you about where do you see things going with the retail landscape? And we, we see all this work to get the stores ready for online shopping and meal kits. And how do you see it all changing in the next few years? Well, the retail landscape is definitely changing. Uh, there's less retailers like with bricks and mortar and uh, the online has become more and more popular. I know online last time I looked, uh, it's still a very small piece of the business. Like it's 0.5% in the Maritimes and it's getting close to 2% in, in, on a national basis. Um, so it is something small, but it is going to continue to grow. I believe. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to have, uh, you know, they're going to have their 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 fights against uh, fresh. Uh, uh, you know, people still in most cases want to go pick their meat and their produce out. I can see dry grocery growing. Uh, you know, once you pick a box up, whatever it might be, it's the same no matter what. But mm-hmm. uh, I think the fresh and frozen is something that still is going to be a bit of an issue for the online uh, business and and, and delivering home. Uh, you know, to the home that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, meal kits. Uh, I know we, I have friends. I haven't done it personally, but that order from the online meal kits, they get a box and supper's there. That's right. Um, you know, I, uh, it's starve. It's consumers are starved for time that are doing this. Uh, they don't have time to go pick out all the ingredients they need. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure there's a, you know, there's a there's a need for that. Uh, I don't know how big it'll be, but uh, right now it's just getting off the ground. So. Uh, convenience has, has proved over and over again that people will pay for convenience. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm sure it'll, it'll be successful. Just what degree I'm not sure of. Mm. And how do you see those relationships between retailers and suppliers changing in the next few years? You talked a little bit earlier about how uh, data has become more involved in the decision making, that kind of thing. How do you, what do you see happening in the next few years? Um, there's still a need to have uh, relationships. I mean, we're still people. Mm-hmm. Uh, although some retailers want to make us all computers and just deal with numbers, but <laughs> yeah. uh, that's still a part of it. It's not as big as it used to be, like I said, but it's still a small part of it. Um, you know, we all have jobs to do and if we can help the retailer do his job, because he's sitting at a desk uh, as you have for many years and I dealt with you mm-hmm. uh, very fairly, I might add. That's right. Paul yeah. and I, uh, we go back a few years and uh, I was on the retailer side. Paul was the uh, on the supplier side, but we did always find the right, Find way some, to work together and find some common ground yeah. that's right um so um 
if you could help them, like you're busy in your desk, you've got a million things going on, you people interrupting, you've got, you know, meetings you're going on, you probably, well, at least you told me you had like four or five meetings a day sometimes. I was very busy. Yeah, I know. So if we can bring data to you that says, hey, this is a category you're not really, uh, you're behind, like in this region, mm-hmm. um, you're underdeveloped in this category. And we think it's because, you know, the right product mix or you're not promoting it the right way or something. So if we can help you do your job, then that's what we do and make your life easier and you can make more money. And do you find the retailers are receptive to those conversations or is that a, a case by case? Yeah, basis? it's a definitely a desk by desk decision mm-hmm. and a retailer by retailer decision. But um, the good, I believe, the good people that are uh, on those desks will listen to, you know, within reason. If 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 we've got a good track record of being able to help out, then you know, give the guy time, uh, give us some time to 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 get in front of you and give you our our look on things and see how uh, see if you think it makes sense for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And where do you see? national brand products going in the next few years yeah i mean there's the big big pgs the world and that type of thing that focus so much on consumer advertising and you know make the consumer go to the store and buy their products so you almost the retail almost has to carry some of the product mm-hmm. um that's not i don't think in most cases that doesn't uh, work retailers retail are very important they can drive the success of your product um you know if you bring a product to market and it could be the best spaghetti sauce in the world everybody raves about it you put mm-hmm. it on the shelf if nobody knows about it uh how do you get them to try it so retailers can help by you know putting in a sensible retail promoting it with your help of course i mean you, you're not going to get it for free mm-hmm. but uh you can't just leave it on the shelf you have to be supportive of the product do some consumer whether it's tv's big but magazines tasting demos social media uh, social media that's you know that's becoming mm-hmm. more and more popular for mm-hmm. sure um but the retails are very important because they they your products that's on their shelves they own the shelves we don't and uh until we start paying the mortgage on their buildings they're mm-hmm. always going to the final say where products go that's right i always think of it as sort of your renting shelf space really and and if they can find a tenant who's going to pay them more money then then they're going to do that but if you can pay them money through the margin they make. Uh, that's the rent you're paying. And, and it's, it's the supplier's job, or in this case, the supplier and the broker's job to make sure that that happens. Right. So yeah, it's uh, and I, are, do you think we're seeing, I mean, my impression would be that uh, as the retailers try to differentiate a little bit so that they don't have exactly the same pasta sauce set as the, competitor across the street that they're looking for some different items sure they are yeah Yeah. and you know if uh, more and more products are moving from the traditional grocery center store to to the fringe departments Mm -hmm. Um, i mean you one time you never buy pasta that wasn't in a box right you know now there's fresh pasta basically uh and it's more profitable Mm -hmm. Uh, so then if they can push away from the center store where everybody's fighting for space and and move a little more profitable items uh, around the you know the, the outside fringe of the store, then, they, then it's more profitable. Mm-hmm. And then you get into a fight with private label too. Uh, control <laughs> yeah, labels, right. you know, you're never going to make it go away. Uh, the retailers all have budgets to hit by category. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to live in harmony with the private label because you can't fight them. It's, uh, well, it's, it is their product. It right? is their product. Yeah. Whether it be a, a brand that's everybody knows or a, a yellow label or a low, low end price. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's their products. They own it, they own mm-hmm. the brand and uh, they're not going to let them die. So. That's right. Yeah. So, so your strategy would be for suppliers to really understand that the, the private label is going to be a part of the category. And if the budget is 
20% penetration for control label that you really just have to fight for the other 80%. That's right. Yeah. And, and maybe there are some retailers are overdeveloped in certain categories that aren't profitable and uh, maybe they are have too much product uh, mm -hmm. in private label, too many, too much percentage of sales with private label. And maybe there's an opportunity for a brand to, to come in mm -hmm. uh, to pay their fees and get on the shelf. And it's a higher end. So the ring, you know, the, the, the actual profit, penny profit could be better. Right. Right. And you get a chance to travel and see different markets. Are you seeing any formats that you think have the potential to, to start to take more share in the future? Yeah, I mean, we've all seen club be a success. I mean, it's kind of leveling off now, but they've been very successful and mass with, uh, with Walmart. Like they opened up so many stores in Canada. And now they're in Atlantic Canada, over half of them are super centers versus sure. just a pantry store. Um, there's a lot of health food stores that are, I think will be moving to, uh, into their are in Canada now just expanding, mm -hmm. um, the discount banner, um, you know, the, the, the no frills or, uh, uh, you know, the other banners that are, that are discounters they're growing. Mm. Uh, and so we said it plans to expand, uh, you know, 50, 60 stores the next few years out, out West. With Freshco. Yeah, right? Freshco. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that's what I see. I mean. Uh, and an HMR within the stores. If you can put a restaurant or something that gets people stopped the store on the way home, mm -hmm. it's all about getting traffic in the stores and uh, it's convenience. Right. So they're, that's their way of fighting against some of the online prepared foods. So when you're in talking to retailers, you're trying to get them to, to help you convince consumers to spend more money on the food side in the grocery store. And then right. when you're talking to a food service, Distributor is the opposite. How to get them into the restaurant? Right. Yeah. So it's a it's a, it's a <laughs> difficult to keep it all balanced. Right. Okay. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was you get a chance to see a lot of different products. And are there some things lately that you've seen that you go, "Wow, that's pretty neat. That's something that's uh, that's really exciting." Or or are you just seeing where we continue to see more line extensions? And yeah. There's a lot of line extensions, and I think some companies. Uh, you know, you want to get shelf exposure. Like if mm -hmm. you get three SKUs and all of a sudden you get five SKUs, your, your brand awareness becomes higher on the shelf, which everybody wants. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are new categories that are developing uh, ongoing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I remember Atlantic Canada years ago, bottled water or something. Are you kidding? We're going to sell bottled water in Atlantic Canada. <laughs> now but there's 48 feet of it. Yeah, there's 48 feet of it, exactly. Yeah. So there's always categories that grow. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know of any offhand right now that, uh, or where you should be right away, but uh, uh, it's definitely, you know, it, dry grocery is is slowly declining. Center store and all the fringe departments are growing. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think stores one time had about eighty percent of their store was dry grocery, and now it's about 35 percent mm -hmm. of traditional grocery right. as far as the uh, square footage goes. Yeah, I think it it seems that people are willing to look. It, it's always hard to understand because we talk about more fresh, and uh, you know that that word fresh and you can get a little bit more for it sometimes that kind of thing and then when we talk about formats it seems like there's more discount formats yeah. that are taking more volume so it's always interesting for me to help suppliers and try to to help guide them as to where to go where do you where do you fit yeah you know? it depends what consumer you're after i mean mm -hmm. uh, i think you know the fresh consumers are a little maybe more affluent have a little more disposable income mm -hmm. and if you go to discounters it's you know people with uh, less disposable income so so really being targeted at that segment in the market and knowing who the consumer is who's going to buy your product yeah i mean that's what the retailers are doing they they know they can't hit everybody and be make everybody 
uh, fulfill all their requirements in one store. So uh, they have discount banners mm -hmm. uh, that, that, that fit those needs. Right. Okay. Um, and as we're looking into our crystal ball, uh, do you see the role of, of the food broker changing in the next few years? Uh, well, I, I believe we're, uh, from what, you know, years ago, um, we're always innovating. Um, again, it used to be handshake deals and relationships, and now it's uh, it's much more fact-based. We're innovation, like I said, innovating. It's gathering data, like insights and analytics. Um, you know, if it, we were always looking at new systems. We were the first broker in Atlanta, Canada, to have a uh, handheld system for our reps. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we're into analytics now. Uh, I, I feel if you're standing still, uh, you're going to fall behind. So we always try to be on the edge of uh, what's happening and try to be the leaders in the industry, not just followers. Right, right. Yeah, you have to. And it does. It's one of the great things about this business is it does change quickly. And uh, and you got to be on top of that change. So. So before we wrap up, are there any other insights that you would, if you kind of imagine yourself talking to a room full of uh, producers and processors, are there any uh, sort of words of wisdom after your, uh, sort of, you know, given your time in the industry that you want to pass on? Uh, it's basically, you know, develop good products, uh, which I believe a lot of manufacturers are doing now, uh, but it doesn't just happen. There's a lot of mechanics go behind the scenes that, uh, that you may not be familiar with and a broker can, uh, can help you hold your hand through a lot of that red tape. Mm -hmm. um, um, Cause it doesn't happen for free. There are, depending on the category you're in, if it's traditional grocery, it's usually more expensive than other fringe departments. Um, and you need to support your product. You can put it, if we get it in the shelf and you get it in the shelf, that's great. But as far as the pricing, the planogram where it fits, um, the promotional activity you need to put behind it. Cause if you just think if you're a consumer in the store and you walk by a certain category and you look and you, you habitually buy whatever brand it might be, you're in a hurry, you just pick it up and put it in your cart and away you go. So in order to grab consumers uh, or your attention, either got to be on display or signing to some type to, 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 uh, to get you to pick it up. Mm -hmm. So whether it's marketing, you know, like uh, all the different uh, internet uh, magazines tv whatever it might be uh you need a reason for people to try your product pick it up and put it in that shopping cart yeah, that's and, uh, we're all want to do and it's not it's not easy uh in some cases no it isn't and one of our sort of one of the interesting things we talk about at skew food is that it, it, products there's many of them that come along some are successful some are not but usually it's not the actual quality of the product that's the problem it's the it's everything behind that product that's either working dysfunctionally or not working at all or not affordable or you know there's lots of different things but it's usually the business behind it that causes it to fail not the fact that it's not a good tasting or that it doesn't perform the way that it's supposed to perform right if you've got a good product and consumers like it uh, you still got to get the taste the first time and hopefully they'll come back and purchase it again and again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, if you don't have a good product or a sub sub uh, power product, you get them in the, you get them to buy it once and they're not going to buy it again. So, um, you know, have a good product support it, get it in the consumer's hands. And I think things will be successful. Great. Great. Well, we certainly appreciate you sharing a lot of uh, great insights with people because it's a topic that we do get a lot of requests and people want to understand, you know, uh, how how a broker works and what do they do what can they how can they help me and 
And I didn't hear that it's a guarantee of success today, but I did hear that uh, <laughs> there's a lot of knowledge and uh, really the business part of selling food and beverage that the broker can bring to the table, which is so important because our experience is that a lot of producers and processors are great at manufacturing things, yep. but when it comes to the job of selling it, they they expect that once it's listed, it's just going to sell. And, and I think yeah. we both know that that's not true. And if you're a small manufacturer, it's just, it's a scale too. Like if you're, I know a lot of people started in farmer's markets and that type of thing. And that's a great way to start get, you know, product uh, branding out there. Uh, but if you're dealing with the, the major manufacturer, major retailer, sorry, um, you can have a supply, you know, there's budgeting, uh, forecasting stuff. You, you can't short these products. Like you just can't, if you, you're in the business, you gotta be in the business. You can't just sort of, um, uh, say, Oh, I guess product made this week and then you know, I'll send, I'll sell this. It's gotta be consistent supply. That's right. You know that. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been uh, calling you very quickly if yes. I got shorted any orders exactly. from you. So if any of our listeners are interested in getting in touch with you, Paul, how do they do that? Uh, they can call me uh, the old fashioned way on the telephone at 902-468-1501, extension 122. Uh, they can email me at uh, parmstrong at amca.ca. Um, or you look on the internet and we do have a website that's we're just in the process of updating now, but I think everybody's updating their website. Yeah, well, changes. <laughs> know, change you got to keep changing. Yeah. So, uh, so there you have Paul's contact information. And of course, if anybody ever uh, wants to contact me, uh, I can certainly pass your, your information on to Paul. And if you want to give me a call, we're always here at 902-489-2900. Or if you want to send me an email, it's peter at skewfood.com. So I want to really uh, thank you, Paul, for taking the time today. I know that, uh, you know, life is busy and uh, you people are in the middle of different food shows and that thing, that type of thing right now. So I want to really say thank you for taking the time. And, uh, you know, it's AMCA Sales and Marketing is a great business. And uh, we really appreciate you sharing some insights with us. Well, thank you, Peter. Uh, always have time for you. Uh, we've dealt, we've known you for a long time now. And it's a pleasure to uh, talk with you about something I should know something about here. You know lots about it. So, <laughs> so we want to thank you for joining us on Skew Food Talks today. And uh, always remind you that we're helping, uh, that we're committed to helping suppliers grow their bottom line. You've been listening to Skew Food Talks with Peter Chapman and Gary Morton. If you have a comment or question about this episode, please email podcast at skewfood.com. That's podcast at skufood.com. To find out more about how Skew Food can help your food business's bottom line, visit skewfood.com. That's skufood.com.